You're listening to TWN Champions, episode number 12. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum, or something like that. This is episode number 12. I'm Rebecca, and with me is a man who's riding on a freeway of love in a pink Cadillac, it's Will! Buckle up for safety, buckle up! (laughs) I think that if you actually did that on the freeway of love in the pink Cadillac, you would be (laughs) accused of being a a buzzkill. Well, but what if I said, be a bobber just like me, wear a life jacket, win at sea? That'd be okay. (laughs) So, how are you doing? Do you have any exciting news, car-related or otherwise? I think our big news this week is that we missed the garbage truck. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that is an important vehicle in everyone's life, especially since last week we were talking about celebrity dogs in the neighborhood. This is really how uh, bereft we are of, of stimulation. Was there a Transformers garbage truck? There should have been. Well, I mean, there was the garbage planet with the Weird Al ones, the, the Bob Wheat Mini Bomb guys or whatever, but I don't know if there was a garbage truck. Well, I, I guess all of them were garbage trucks if they were working on a garbage planet. I guess so. Like, dare to be stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, all of them were. I knew, it, you know what? At the beginning, I was like, I know we're not going to get through this whole episode without talking about the Transformers. Let's just let's just start with the beginning. And yeah, we got to like, get, hey, it, the get it out. Like, <laughs> like Glenn Fry messing up the song at the beginning of that Eagles concert. It's just like that. <laughs> it's just like that. Remember when we? I used to hear the garbage truck? emptying the restaurant's garbage dumpster at like 3.30 a.m. every Monday. And and I called the city, and the city was like, can you do a private investigation for us to figure out which one it is? And everyone's like, no! Yeah, which no. company it was doing You shut that. it down. I don't have the clipboards. <laughs> I also love, too... This is this is a phenomenon that actually makes me laugh quite a lot. I really like when you're very indulgent of other people's insanity. <laughs> and one way that we often do that is with the phrase like, oh, yeah, he just does that. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's like you call the city. You're like, hey, there's someone emptying dumpsters at 3.30 in the morning. It's like, yep, they just do that. They yeah, do we that. know about it. Yeah, that's when they do it. That's just They just do it. Mm, they do their route that way. It's like, <laughs> like okay, and? Yeah, these are all statements. And I'm with you. And it's like, on the one hand, very infuriating. But on the other hand, there's something so beautifully zen about that statement that I just really, I have to just applaud. You need probably radical acceptance of garbage dumpsters. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. They just do that. 3.30 a.m. It's garbage time. So what are we talking about today besides the garbage man? On today's show, we're counting down our personal favorite takes on the vehicle archetype. I have four. Rebecca has four. Plus, we have a pick from our good friend, socially distant Scott, who last I heard was building a desk for his son. Oh, yeah. He's got to do all that. This yeah. is where the apple goes, boy. <laughs> Apple for teacher. Yes, exactly. I'm teacher. 
That doesn't sound like Scott's uh, teaching style, if you would. Actually, funny enough, I, I, there's just like a rule in this household that someone in this household has to be working with Scott at all times. <laughs> and right now it's me. I'm doing some freelance work. And so sometimes I'm on some calls with Scott and I do see like children occasionally peeking their head in Scott's basement office uh -huh. that he has. Remember, he worked on his basement he for sure so did. long. He got himself a real nice little office down there, a little curtain and everything. But sometimes... Sometimes you see a little head come around the corner. <laughs> that is happening. Well, we'll hear from Scott later on in the countdown. Uh, let's talk about what we're doing to narrow down this illustrious field of vehicles for this countdown. Yeah, this was a strange one, right? Because usually we focus on a strict character type. But I think it will be fairly obvious pretty early in this that the best vehicles in and of themselves are characters or have something important to do with our character archetypes. Yeah, and that's why that was like the little like um, qualifier that I put on my definition. It's like it's a mode of transport that sort of becomes a character unto itself, exactly. right? Yes. Although for me, I'm like it, it's pretty much it can't be born sentient. Like it, okay. a horse for me is not going to make it on this countdown, right? Because it's different, you know. Mm -hmm. They, are, they do have a personality because well, they're I living mean, creatures. Okay, well, that makes me think of a, a couple of test cases. Um, I'm assuming this probably isn't on your list because we've talked about it exhaustively. But what about uh, a sentient car? Sentient car is different, right? Because it's an AI. And I just feel like it's different. It's okay. man-made. It's it's a vehicle of of a robotic creation. Okay, a biologically sentient mode of transportation is not on our list. That is what I think. Okay, I, I And so go with here's that. the real test case. What about what was it Stridor from He-Man? <laughs> it was like the free the free horse that Duncan was so just enraptured by how it wanted freedom even though it was a robot. I think it I think it reached technological apotheosis and became <laughs> and became something more. So Stridor <laughs> cannot be on our list. Sorry, Stridor's a man. I mean, a horse. <laughs> He's just like me. <laughs> he yearns for freedom. And I know we don't need to do like a, a exhaustive history of uh, a vehicle because you, you pretty much already said, you know, this archetype comes from horses and they're going to be technologically stratified. They can happen on land, sea, or air. Mm -hmm. But um, Luckily, let's talk about our... I know what a car is. Yes, exactly. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about our, our very strict definition for us, though. Do you have some specific criteria? So I say it has to be a character. Okay. So, like, it can't be a car. Well, no, okay, it has to be a character or have character uh, given to it in context. Like, okay. you couldn't pick, like, a car from a racing game unless it was a really important car from the racing okay. game. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This is look. This is my own specific thing. I don't know. What about that's um, what I was thinking? What about what's the Lindsay Lohan remake with uh, Herbie, Herbie the Love Bug? Herbie Love Bug. I don't know about how it's. I mean, the name movie's named after Herbie. Where did Herbie's sentience come from? Was it like a dark source? Like, is it is it I don't evil? Know. I is mean, it like a bum, is it like a bumblebee type thing? I don't know. Is does it have a soul? I don't know. We'll we'll put a pin in Herbie <laughs> the the Love. <laughs> and then for me, also, I think you and I did discuss this beforehand. We can't have a spaceship, even if there are yeah. spaceships that are characters. Yeah, that's like, different. That's the, a different. Yeah, that's different. It's just too. It's too different. The Millennium Falcon is absolutely a character. It yeah. has character. Well, also, nothing else would make the list if we could do spaceships. So well, we'll, it's just a whole different thing. <laughs> right. We'll do spaceships separately. Okay. Uh, I would say. It has to be a transport. It can't just be like a traversing machine. A, a person has to be able to go inside it. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I would say it has to be 
terrestrial. Oh, that's what we were saying, no spaceship. So it can be in land, sea, or air, but it has to be bound to the atmosphere. Okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bound to gravity. Oh, I get it. Before I have my bullet point called fun question, is there anything else we should say about this? No, I, that, I think that's that covers okay, it. Okay, it's time for the fun question. I, I just want to ask you, what was... What is either your favorite type of car that is very you, or what was your family's favorite type of car growing up? So my family, actually, we had some great cars in my extended family. My mamaw, for as long as I can remember, drove one of those big, I don't know the model name, but like a big brown Cadillac. Mm -hmm. And so mamaw in that Cadillac is just like iconic. I think my grandmother had a brown Lincoln Town car. Yeah, it's just like a big, long car for your mamaw to to, to pilot into the Kroger. And then like my uncle had a really cool Pontiac Thunderbird. Oh, I love those. Yeah, so it was like a cool uncle car, you know? Those were like, those were the... It won't start without sunglasses. Yeah, Ray-Bans, gold aviators. Which I have since was that the, for myself. Was that the uncle that had the Ray-Bans? Yes. That, and he would say, like, I got a uh, vanity tag that says anachronism on it. Yes. yes. <laughs> Actually, all of my uncles have gold aviator Ray-Bans. It is, like, the look of my family. But, uh-huh. yes, yes. The okay. one with the Thunderbird did also have the Ray-Bans. We were a Ford Ranger family. My dad liked to have a nice southern gentleman car, and he had, like, a little uh, hand broom where he'd sweep out the seats before you get in and out. Your dad was a very fastidious and, <laughs> and neat, immaculate person. Even he on was. his Ford Rangers, you know, he'd take them in to get like a custom, very thin trim line across the whole thing just to give, make it extra <laughs> sporty. touch the trim. Yeah, exactly. And then my mom would do uh, Jeep Cherokees. We did a lot of rugged, rugged driving to <laughs> yeah, the Kmart. You, you got to go, yeah, you got to go to K- Kmart and then go through the bog to get back to your house That's in exactly the woods, right. in yes. the haunted woods yeah, of lots Georgia. Of, lots of creeks and stuff. <laughs> Everything looked like uh, in the first Batman movie when Batman's taking Vicky Vale to the Batcave and there's the arcade of trees and it's night and scary. Everything looked like that. Yeah, except there was no Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, and then I will say, speaking of the Batcave, our ultimate example then, the Uber example is the Batmobile, right? Right. We're not going to pick that one, but it's a great example. Yeah, exactly. If somebody's like, what's the the car that you're going for? Mm -hmm. It's the Batmobile, right? right? So the Batmobile's not on the list, and that's why. Yeah, it might even be referenced several times, but yeah, agree. Well, do you want to start us off with your first pick? Number eight. (laughs) We begin our journey in the sewers. <laughs> I wanna I wanna talk about one of my favorite vehicles that I actually think about pretty often. This is the Ninja Turtles Foot Ski, released in 1989. <laughs> All right. I'm, and, I'm and we're kinda, off to the races from yeah. the 80s already. I mean, even as I'm saying, I'm feeling kind of guilty this is not number one. I love <laughs> this one. It's probably not the most important, iconic one, but it might be my personal favorite. Let me show you my new toy. It's the Foot Ski, with its deadly harpoon gun, spreading torpedoes, and electric leeches. Could this be the end of good, clean fun in the sewer? Here goes the neighborhood. So this is the perfect vehicle to take to the pool or the bathtub or drag across the floor. Did you do boats? The boat toys are only cars. Uh, in my life? Yeah. No, I wasn't a big play in the bathtub kid. I was a shower kid from an early age. <laughs> I was like, we got to get this done. Come on, let's That's get out of here. I'm not playing. I'm not here to play. I'm here to do work. I got to do anything to make it more entertaining. <laughs> I don't want to 
Your Barbies were landlocked. No boats for Barbies. Dude, you cannot put Barbies in the bathtub. You will ruin their hair. Oh, and is then, that right? They yes. were all fried. And, and then sometimes, like, a little water can get in the crevices of her head and her neck. You don't want that. That's that's bad uh, news. But Barbie got old water in there. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear water rattling around yeah. in Barbie's <laughs> Barbie, you've got water neck. That is not, that is not glamorous. It's not. Barbie got no. trench foot. So this was a bad guy vehicle. This was a vehicle for the Ninja Turtle bad guys like uh, Rat King drove it in the Turtles in Time video game. Uh, mint condition one now is $160 if you want me to buy it on eBay. <laughs> we'll say pass. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you how much I think it would cost in real life at the end of this, by the way. Okay. okay. I'll do this for all of my picks, even if oh, they're okay. fictional. Oh, in okay, ca in case you're on the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so this is a working plastic boat, and it's got everything that makes a good vehicle toy. Your dudes can hold on to the steering wheel. It's got missiles, of course. Uh, tons of bad guy stickers and flags. You want your parents to put those on or it'll look terrible forever. And here's the most important part. It's got a fantastic hidden story that's not obvious at first glance. This is the real touch of love that they put on it, okay? Okay. So the commer like you were saying, like in, in case you might be in the market, the commercial makes this thing sound like really wacky. What's up, dude? Whoa! Join the turtles on foot patrol in their battle-ready sewer. But on the back of the box, there's this description that this is a self-sustaining jet ski that never needs fuel because it runs on turtle brains. And I, I love this because the description is written like a brochure marketing copy for a real boat. Like they're trying to get you to buy it if you were Shredder or somebody. Yeah, that's not practical, though, I'm going to say. Listen to how messed up this is. This is the pitch for it on the back. Like I told you, like they're even talking from this conceit. They say, if you're running low on sewer gas, simply run over a turtle and suck his mutant brains out. Not easy, you say? Well, think again. Simply sail through the sewers at top speed, and when you spot a turtle, go for it. Capture and stun the turtle with electrifying vinyl leeches, and the mutant brain intake valve does the rest. Pretty easy, huh? So, here's a question. How many turtles, besides the four we know, are in the sewers at any any given point? This I is a really rare fuel. I guess fuel you're source. right. I guess you're only looking for four or just regular turtles. But that I would mean, be like a lot of fuel if you got a ninja turtle, I guess. I, I, I guess so. You don't have to top that one off for, for a year. Where's Raphael? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen him. That is weird that they wrote the copy from the perspective of you being a bad guy. Yeah, I like how sadistic it was. I mean, it makes me feel like the people who made it really enjoyed doing their job. It was it was a <laughs> nice little nice little treat for you. Yeah, they didn't just show up that day to place some copy on there. They're like, let's really, it's going to be one from the heart. And whenever your parents bought something like this for you, especially if they were respectable in the community or not, that is a little act of love to take that to the person they know checking you out at the cash register be like, buy this for my son. So I told you I was going to think about the cost for this. So I was looking at speedboats, and I say since this one doesn't need gas, I'm going to put this at about $12,000. Okay? Affordable. Yeah. A drop in the bucket. Yeah, self-sustaining self -sustaining vehicle. Number seven. The reigning intercontinental champion, the Macho Man, with Miss Elizabeth. This contest is for the Intercontinental Championship, and it is scheduled for one ball. All right, my first choice is a terrible vehicle from the Audis that will make you go, why? <laughs> At number seven, I have the gondola entrance in Legends of WrestleMania for Xbox 360 oh, funny. slash PS3. 
Okay. All right. Now. It's kind of like a pageant boat, or kind of. Like it a- is now. Let's okay. Let's 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 go back for a, a brief moment to the year two thousand nine. You know, I'm in grad grad school, wasting a lot of time. Um, we got lots of friends go out drinking, play stupid games, make them watch things like I don't know, playing Legends of WrestleMania. Well, I'll tell you, Macho's looking good. Now, for those of us who have not played the game in a while, or or have not played it at all, what happens in Legends of WrestleMania? Basically, you've got all your heavy hitters from the Hall of Fame that you can play as. Yeah, so all the old dudes from the past. Yeah, and all their good theme songs and everything. And that's the thing that made this so good. They really worked very hard to coordinate all of like the old theme songs and they would play them on a loop like when you're loading up your matches mm-hmm. and you learned all of the good theme you, songs that way. And it really get you really gave you more of that great 80s, 90s wrestling feeling more than the post-Attitude Era feeling, so it was really, really fun in that respect. Now, this was, by all accounts, a clunky and horrible game to play, but when you set up your matches and you picked your little wrestlers, you could also tweak your entrance, and one thing you could pick is the gondola entrance, (laughs) and a gondola, in this context, is a little miniature version of a wrestling ring that you can ride in from the back of a very large arena all the way to the front. And it's big enough to also fit Miss Elizabeth. So you're not in that gondola by yourself, right? No man rides Yeah, but Macho Man will kill you if you are not. (laughs) Don't pick Macho Man and put Miss Elizabeth in there. And it's ridiculous. So um, I, I did a little digging. There was a Game Facts board from like literally 2009. And someone asks, he says, what the heck is the gondola entrance in Create an Entrance? And then here's actually the, a correct answer. Uh-huh. Someone says, I believe it is the entrance from WrestleMania 3. You know, it's the one where they come to the ring in a yeah, mini ring. And I, that is what it's from. I kind of remember Hulk doing that, I think. So I don't know if he did, because well, that was the big Hulk versus Andre, because uh-huh. that was 87. But Macho Man definitely did. Uh-huh. So, like, I did I did see that video. And then somebody confirms. This says, yep, it's from WrestleMania 3. All the wrestlers rode to those, rode those to the ring, and then rode them back out. It looked as stupid in real life as it does in the game, <laughs> and that's why that's why people on the it's internet. It's for the wrestlers, say. something for the wrestlers to yell from as they yeah. go. Yeah, and I just gotta say, I love that the spectacle of wrestling was not enough, and they're like, no, we need to create the spectacle of being in the ring from the moment you walk out <laughs> right. all the way until you get into the right. larger ring. It's so over the top and ridiculous, and just in my life, I just would like to ride in a gun gondola somewhere in a wrestling gondola specifically though not like a real one we do like to yell things at people we might as well formalize it and put some ceremony around it exactly you know roll your little off balance it's just like a glorified parade float but you're going somewhere important for business and it's very stupid and like all the videos that i looked for to try to find someone showing the wrestlers doing that gondola entrance nobody ever recorded that nobody ever used those because Everybody thought they were stupid except for me. Number six. Okay, is everybody still using Alexa? I don't know. If people have children, that just seems way annoying because they're always telling Alexa to do stuff. It's not surprising to hear Rebecca say that because Rebecca unplugged ours. Alexa was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then Rebecca <laughs> unplugged And she's her. like, eternal sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Because of Rebecca's suspicion of robots, Rebecca might be a good recruit for Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. 
and she might pilot the Powerjet XT7 Phoenix. With the Powerjet XT7, the XT7, you can fire visible beams at enemy targets on the TV. I might. <laughs> okay, this is a weird one, uh, and I'm surprised we haven't talked about this earlier, but Captain Power was a huge property when it came out in 87, but only lasted like a year, and we don't hear much about it. Uh, did your cousin have this by chance? I don't think so, no. Okay, it was kind of like a boutique toy, I I think at this point, because it was a really sophisticated toy line, but it just didn't survive long for reasons I'll talk about. My cousin had one of these ships, and it was the most rad, like, dark neon 80s thing I had ever seen. And I'll talk about the ship, but let me talk very briefly about Captain Power first. It's a post-apocalypse world. Uh, it's the 22nd century, so not too far off. We're mm -hmm. almost there. There's a robot revolt. The human race is on the run. But Jonathan Power and his fighters, the soldiers of the future, that's you, uh, will stand up to Lord Dread and his Bio-Dread soldiers who want to hunt down survivors and digitize them. I don't, I don't know if that's the side of history I would want to be on, but that's okay. You would help the robots, maybe? I mean, they are superior. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sympathetic to robots, robots, too. I like those stories better. But from the fires of the Metal Wars arose a new breed of warrior. Born and trained to bring down Lord Dread and his Bio-Dread Empire. They were soldiers of the future. Mankind's last hope. Like I was saying, it's a huge property. They had VHS movies, a syndicated show, a really incredible toy line, and some big deal writers. They had uh, J. Michael Straczynski and Larry Dottilio from He-Man. Oh, okay. Um, right. So here's the way it worked. You could interact with the... TV show and the little movies with your jet. It worked like a light gun, like laser tag. And when you got hit too much, your little man in the ship would eject out of the plane. And you could also play laser tag if you had more than one ship with your friends and had little hit points and stuff. If you're rich and so are your friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, that was the kind of the thing that, that partially doomed this franchise was that this was right at the end of all the parent groups getting mad about the uh, brazen advertising with toys right. and the toy and cartoon tie-ins. This was the nail in the coffin TV show for it, actually, Aww. because uh, because specifically of the interactivity between the ships, uh, like really pressuring the kids to pressure their parents to buy the ships. And it was really fun. Like, I spent a lot of time laying on my stomach and you swooped through the cities like you were in Streets of Rage or The Last Starfighter or something. Um, but it was hard to produce and the merchandising didn't work because it was too pricey. And like I was saying, it was the target for the anti-toy-related TV, children's TV advocates. Larry Dottilio said in Starlog magazine, This show has definitely not made my life easier. This is not just another kids' cartoon show. The writing has always been centered mainly in the battle sequences, but we aren't in a position of having to write X amount of animation and interactivity in each episode. I want to make it very clear that around here, we're writing for the story first. And it was really good stories. I, com I completely agree that he would be doing that, knowing his track record from the Motu show. Like, for real. It was. And there were, like, weird themes of, like, um, being suspicious of, like, encroaching fascism and Nazism. Yeah. And uh, there was, like, romance and stuff like that. I mean, it was, it was a pretty cool show. I love how that was just such a thing that parents had to lament when we were kids. It's like, they're just, those shows or commercials making them want to buy toys. 
Today's children literally have toys that the whole point is to open the box. You know what yeah. I mean? Like an LOL surprise doll. They don't have this rich universe behind them. It's just the titillation of yes. opening it. It's not even... Unboxing is is the narrative. The narrative is, I opened this toy and here it is. And it's just like, I, I, oh. I love that they used to wail and moan about the cartoons when we were kids. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered this because that reminds me of something even just as insidious that the kids are into now is that if you play any game on the phone, the point of it is to send pop-up ads to the child to say... Uh, get your mom to buy this, get this extra outfit, get this extra level, get these extra men, get this other game. I have a uh, four-year-old niece and it's hilarious and, and pitiful because she plays this really fun little, uh, I think the superhero is called like Ladybug or something like that. But it has these pop-ups after every level that says, get her friend, get this outfit, get whatever. And she can press one button and it will send like something, a little message, like a text to my mom or me that is like, do you want to buy this for for, our, <laughs> for your niece? And the, I mean, the FTC should really step in. That's really that messed is, up. It is really and messed up. And it's pitiful because she can't help it. I mean, she doesn't have the defenses. I mean, she'll hear it and she'll be like, like, mom, mom, mom. And then, and then, then I'm like, we'll ask her later. She's like, okay, we'll ask her later though, right? It's like, yes, we'll ask her later. <laughs> and that, no, and that is terrible. And poor Larry Dottilio had to defend his beautiful. Oh. stories written about the encroaching uh dangers of fascism and like and like these days like just just so antiquated and precious i wish we had stayed with that and model. they had the best toys i mean they had the best i mean it was just a rich universe they had the best shows we, we get rid of some great shows because of that's true parents like again i know it was the girl version and it didn't succeed to the degree they wanted to but like jim and the holograms mm -hmm. they were all dolls but the show was really good yes christy marks like my like personal hero for lady writers she also wrote for gi joe um a lot but anyway yeah no great stories i'm like what's that things were better when we were young johnny it's like now you have to watch callaloo and arthur <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, now you have to watch like shows about like, like here is Daniel Tiger here to learn yes. some morals. Daniel Tiger. That's the one. Yes. Thank you for trading my captain power for Daniel Tiger. <laughs> who's that? He's the son of Poseidon. Who's that? He's going to find him. Who's that? He's sitting in a kiddie pool in your yard. Give him a beer and Scott. Scott's pick. He's the friendly stranger in the black sedan. Won't you come inside his car? Which is a, what are you driving these days? <laughs> well, a black sedan in the song, but. <laughs> well. You still got the cube? Not the cube. Well, yeah, it's yeah, the toaster. The XB. Yeah. Pulling up in. in it's been in discontinued the... for like five years, but mine's still going reasons? strong. No, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They got rid of the company. Oh, I see. I see. They, uh, Toyota absorbed them. It's a I, cool looking car. I love my car. It like, looks like a board I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fall into it like a regular car. <laughs> it's a wagon, so I can actually put some like wood in it yeah. or something. So if you were not driving this vehicle, you would be driving a. Hmm. It's a great question. I think <laughs> I would be driving a car that's black. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Why? And it talks to you. Uh-oh. It also jumps into apartment buildings 
so you can save people. Is this Kit we're talking it about? It is Kit, yes. Yeah. 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 Kit's gotta be on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Knight, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in a world of criminals who operate above the law. I think I've seen every Knight Rider episode really? probably about three or four times. Really? That is awesome. That Where? Is Just as it comes on TV? Okay, yeah, and they, they had it on repeat, you know, like. Yeah. I don't even know if I could have told you how to find it. Like, that's so funny. I remember it coming on. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well. It was on at 6 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about Kit. Because I actually don't know a lot about it besides it has the cool song and it looks awesome. It talks to you. It tells you where to go. Tells his you his to name do. was like, the... David Hasselhoff's character's name was Michael. Michael Knight. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, okay. And, uh, he, and was, he would uh, talk to Michael all the time. He'd be like... God, I, forget the, I forget the parent company... But like they, so so they had a trailer that used to go like a, a sixteen wheeler, and the kit would like drive into it, and then like if he had like a flat tire or something, you know, whatever, he would he would get it all fixed up in there, and then he could like drive out of it. That's like what happened in the game Spy Hunter. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they were thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. You could, yeah, you could like drive up into it, and it like fixes your car. I didn't know that. But like he he could talk to I think yeah he had a he had a watch he could talk to it and be like come get me you know like. Stuff oh, like that. okay. Like, say, he would save him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Batmobile did make my list, but it was lower than Kit. I would just say. <laughs> okay. <that>. What about? <laughs> so was David Hasselhoff just a man who bought this car, and everybody no, 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 else was no, a dummy because they didn't buy this he, car? He works for. A, he works for an agency. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, he's like a. He's supposed to be getting into all this stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if he's like Michael Knights is not his real name okay. or something. God. I'm really sorry about kid, like, like not this... as doing as much research. No, but I'm, I'm learning. Just, I'm trying I'm to learning. go. I'm trying to go over memory of my of my ten year old self watching this show <laughs> and being like so excited when I heard the music. <laughs> you know, like the is like uh, light going back and forth, all that. Yeah. Does Kit does Kit shoot people or run over people? Like, how does Kit disable people? Um, he has run into cars. Okay. I don't think he runs into people. I don't remember an episode where he runs into people. He might run into people, but I'm not remembering one. I remember. I remember a distinct episode where there was this car that had a that had like a snow shovel backwards yeah so it would like come up from underneath and like block it so it could like ram things okay and that's how it would steal stuff and the one of my favorite ones is he had to save somebody i don't know how many floors up but literally cars driving and then a turbo it can turbo boost Mm -hmm. and he hits a ramp and then turbo boosts and it literally flies into like a uh, an apartment building. That's great. Yeah. And he sees. And then he saves the person. Okay. Yeah. Right. He doesn't run him over. He might have ran over the bad guy in that point because the guy was holding a gun or you know mm-hmm. something against the the person. It was the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plot line. Kit stands for Knight Industries 2000. Oh, okay. Michael Knight had a billionaire patron. Who was a self-made billionaire. I see. So like his Batman hired somebody. He's yeah. like, take my car, handle this for me. And apparently his backstory is he got shot in the face and now he's out for just justice in general. I see. So there, so there you go. I, that's just some there's some good background info about, about Knight Rider. He was a, uh, he was a, the kid was a 1982 uh, Pontiac 
uh, Firebird. Oh, okay. I, I at one point thought about buying lights for my car. That's how much I was into it back. <laughs> and like, I'm like, that would be cool. And I'm like, I'm too old for that now, though. I should have done it when I was younger. Then <laughs> I would appreciate it more. I really want you to pull into your driveway and your wife see that out there. Yeah. And say, I've used our money mm -hmm. to buy this. Yeah. My kids would be super excited. <laughs> but it's dark it's out. It's dark out and they'd be asleep. So, <laughs> but wake up, kids. Come on. Come watch this. Come watch Daddy's car. And then I'd be like, and then I'd be playing this theme music as they're coming downstairs and everything. <laughs> Number five. There's so many people in this year town. It's gonna take a long time to meet everybody. Hey, nice wheels, buddy. Jethro, why do you think that fella's pointing at us? <laughs> I reckon that's the way they wave out here, California. All right, at number five, I give you the ramshackled truck. Owned by the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, hey. I, I thought about this one. I Did you? One. I've got a I've got a good uh, companion car for this one too. Oh well, that's great. So the Beverly Hillbillies truck was based on a 1921 Oldsmobile Model 43A touring car. Okay. So if you're into cars, there's a there's a car fact for you. And the Beverly Hillbillies, when they drive it, the car is uh, piled high with country paraphernalia. For example, Granny's rocking chair and Granny in the rocking chair. So when I'm speaking about the Beverly Hillbillies car, I am specifically referring to the 1993 film, uh -huh. which is one of my favorite films of all time. That and car just, was pretty much like the show, though. I, yeah, yeah, they did. They did all. Uh, they were very faithful to mm -hmm. the um, the original car from the original t television show. But of course, I happened to hop on in '93 when this was part of that larger trend to remake old television properties. Um, on film to comment about the relentless progression of the go-go 90s because mm -hmm. you know back in the 90s we were very aware of how you know how sophisticated the 90s were and how it was about to be an entirely new century can oh, you believe it i think it was it in that movie that somebody got a fax in their car yep yes it was <laughs> they had a fax machine in the car that i, I love early 90s films about car phones uh -huh. like with jokes and gags about car phones it's like look at this schmuck with a phone in his car he can't stop for 10 minutes to drive mm -hmm. he's gonna talk all the time <laughs> idiot <laughs> but anyway um if you are not you know down with the story you know if, if it was a bit before your time the beverly hillbillies is a story about a poor family of hillbillies in the ozark mountains who strike oil on their property and then they become incredibly wealthy when they sell the land and they move to beverly hills where they are fish out of water so the, the car is a character sort of unto itself, especially in the opening sequence of the film. Like, there's a lot of them driving on the L.A. freeway and having a lot of gags about, you know, people getting angry with them about the car going too slow and them looking like a bunch of yokels in the car and them being very naive about what's happening in L.A. traffic. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what I love about this story is that the Beverly Hillbillies are part of that long comedic tradition of the fool or the, the court jester, or like the Shakespearean fool, where way even back to medieval 
ages, the only person who could poke fun at the nobles is like the fool, right? Because like, you know, he, he can go there and be like, hey, get a load of that king eating that turkey leg. What a fool. Like, look how portly he is. I don't know what a jo jester would have mm -hmm. joked about. That was probably something like that. But anyway, the whole point is you put a ridiculous character out there and on first glance, it looks like they're the ones that you're making fun of. But no, 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 no. It is actually the fool who is poking fun at the larger society. And so that's why the Beverly Hillbillies is not, has not ever been a property where, uh, oh, look at them, they're poor. <laughs> that's not the point of it. Uh -huh. Real comedy that's good punches up. That's like part of the tradition of comedy. Uh -huh. And so they, that, that was the whole point of this, of them driving their crazy ridiculous old car on the freeway it's to make fun of everyone in la driving around in their fancy cars whizzing around like morons right <laughs> what have we become this is a great it's a great movie jim varney is just delightful dolly parton makes an appearance like what more do you want it's really funny that's a really good I movie i love that movie <laughs> but the car is you know the car is part of it, it reflects your values as as owners you know where it, it helps us take a look at ourselves Selfs. I also like to think that if that were in a video game or something and it was selectable, the silhouette for that car would be incredible because, you know, like the granny shadow would be on top. Oh, oh, God, it that just, is really It just cute. looks like a good character design. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole lot of character in that car. Number four. Okay, Rebecca, if there was a custom car for you, like a little Hot Wheels Rebecca car, what would it look like, you think? Or what would the theme of it be? <laughs> I guess it would be Halloweenish in some way. I was gonna say, but I'm thinking maybe like a like a crow with a beak hood. Yeah, like a hot rod, like a you know what? Or a gummy worm bus. <laughs> a gummy worm bus. Recently, on I was watching Dark Side of the Ring, you know, and uh, Jimmy Hart described the role of wrestling managers as the hood ornament on the Cadillac uh -huh. of the like of the of the character. And I just really, really like that. Yeah. So I would just say that I would like my Roadster to be not unlike Jim's Rockin' Roadster, but yeah. then it's got a hood ornament and or Jimmy Hart riding shotgun with a megaphone. Yeah, I like the Roadster. Yeah, I yeah. Like that's a, good, that's a okay. good idea. Okay. Mine would be like a plesiosaur boat with ro with rowers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, is, this next pick is how I like cars, like... like real honest to god character cars and the best example i could ever imagine is the monster coach the family vehicle from oh, the monsters oh yeah uh the whose sitcom ran on cbs from 1964 to 1966 all right bring it out grandpa <laughs> open your eyes now herman Billy. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> How do you like it, Herman? I had it customized just for you. Oh, just beautiful. Getting a car like this and finding out that little Elmer is not our child makes us the happiest birthday I've ever had. I think usually we're an Adams Family family. It's true. But the Munsters win in a couple of departments. Uh, one of the departments is Fred Gwynn, who was, a, who was just a treasure. Right? He's just a great comedian. He's like the Halloween Andy Griffith, I think. I like him. <laughs> um, the theme song is fantastic. The theme song definitely does There's win. more going on there. And the car. Um, so here's some specs on that car. I'll talk about the car for just a second. It's a Model T hearse. It was made from three Model T bodies and was 18 feet long. 
The lining is blood red velvet. It has the exterior back seat bench like you'd find in a funeral parlor you can sit in. Um, it's got chrome and brass everywhere. They spent like 500 hours on the scroll work on all the, all the brass. And it was just the perfect car for a monster family. Come on, everybody, hop in. I'll take us all for a ride through the cemetery. <laughs> uh, Herman Munster gets this for his birthday and it shows up in like 20 episodes and I think the TV movie. And I like that the show thought they needed this car, like the Beverly Hillbillies needed one. It completes the picture of their life. Yeah, they got errands to do. They're not going to go riding around in a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> right. As, like we do. Except for ours. It's pretty messed up, all the hail damage on it. Uh, but, you know, like when you're thinking about what kind of family they are, you you think about like, well, what kind of house do they live in? What kind of car do they drive? Yeah, it's and an important accessory for the brand. Mm -hmm. yeah. So their world seems real now. But if you had this, I think the only annoying part would be that everybody would insist on it being in parades and everything. But that would be gr Okay, being in parades is fun. Being called upon to be in parades is fun. I'm just going to put that out but there. But every parade, and you'd be like, like, this is just my car. Like, I'm just a monster. <laughs> this is my car. I don't have time to be in the parade. Especially because they would want it for like all the parades. Not just, it's not just the Christmas parade, right. not just the Thanksgiving parade. It's going to be the Veterans Day parade. It's going to be like, oh, we're going to have a Labor Day parade. Why are you having that? It's going Mother's Day parade. I don't. They're just going to have parades. Right. Just be too yeah, many. Yeah, you you live and die by the Chamber of Commerce's whims. And let me tell just you, just because I'm a monster, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, we I haven't got even talked about how do. this is insulting. This is just my car. Like, waiting in line to be in a parade is very dull. Like, because you have to line up in the order you're yeah. going to be in, and you got to be, like, way the hell out somewhere. Having been in several parades, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I remember in marching band. Yes, and you just got to stand there. As, it gets real dull. And then how do you get out of the parking lot with your oh, car? Oh, yeah, where did you park? Where did you park yeah. when you got done with that parade? Yeah. How do you get everybody back to their cars? <laughs> yeah, and the monsters would not have wanted to deal with that. So here's just a couple of trivia facts about, about the car on this one. So Fred Gwynn, who was like 6'7 or something, was too tall, so they removed the car seat, and he sat on the rug just on the floor of the car. I didn't realize he was so tall. <laughs> yeah, he's really tall. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, George Barry's company built, like, all the really awesome 60s character cars. He built, uh, uh, or at least his company built, the 1966 Batmobile you know, which is like the iconic the car. cool car. Yeah. He built a Rolls Royce for Zsa Zsa Gabor. Um, and he built custom golf carts for every celebrity, like Bob Hope and Margaret, uh, Glenn Campbell and Elton John all had stuff done by him. So that's good company. That is pretty hilarious. This cost uh, $18,000 to make in 1964, which is 150000 in 2020. You know what? That's not too much money. Like, doesn't Kylie Jenner's stupid have about four cars that cost more than that? Yeah, and it's one like of them not even interesting. Coach. Yeah, you don't even have the Munsters car. You could have it for $150,000. What are you doing <laughs> with your life? Come on. Uh, one of the other things I like about this car is that. Nothing um, against Kylie Jenner. Like, whatever. Get your money. I don't care. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. While the show was running, Decca Records released a song about this car. Uh, because if anything was a fad or the trend in the 60s, you might have a song about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> you do need a song for it. And a song about a car. They were like, the Beach Boys have made tons of... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not a Beach Boys fan, but they've made tons of terrible songs about cars. <laughs> well, That mention cars. I will leave this pick uh, with a clip from the song about uh, the Munster car, which I is called... I don't know why I've never heard this song. The Munster Coach. I'm going to have to listen to That'll it. That will be a good record to get. We should see if they have any. Yeah. Okay. 
We're going on eBay as soon as we're done with this. Getting closer to the top, we've got a real classic at number three. I give you the Bluesmobile. Oh, that's great. From the Blues Brothers. I thought about this one, too. What's this? What? This car. This stupid car. Where's the Cadillac? The Caddy. Where's the Caddy? The what? The Cadillac we used to have. The Bluesmobile. I traded it. Traded the Bluesmobile for this? No, for a microphone. A microphone? Okay, I can see that. What the hell is this? This was a bargain. I picked it up at the Mount Prospect City Police Auction last spring. It's an old Mount Prospect police car. They were practically giving them away. This was a 1974 Dodge Monaco. And uh, this was in the 1980 film, The Blues Brothers. Um, if you, again, if it's before your time or if it's been a day or two since you've seen it, this is a film that's about a pair of good-hearted yet shady brothers who are musicians who are on a mission to pay $5,000 of back taxes to save their old Catholic boarding school. And thus they must reunite the members of their band and play one amazing concert to earn enough money in one night to do so. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the plot. And, of course, this was written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis. And, of course, the Blues Brothers were Dan Aykroyd and um, John Belushi. What's funny about this movie is that this is always touted as a movie for music lovers. Because, like, of course, it's amazing all of the people who make cameos and have musical numbers. Like, you've got... Uh, James Brown and John Lee Hooker and Aretha Franklin and Cap Calloway. And, oh, my favorite was Ray Charles. And Ray Charles, which uh, which was a great great mm-hmm. scene. Um, so I mean, like this is a movie for music lovers. Yet somehow this is a movie for people who love car chases even more. <laughs> and I personally feel like some of those scenes could have cut down a little and bit. They did. I think. I think it was like a. There's like a. Five million hour cut. <laughs> it was like a six hour all car chase director. Like Dan Aykroyd stuff. wrote the script. It has to be edited. Yeah, this movie was just like lousy with car chases. And I mean, it clocks in over two hours. I don't remember the exact runtime. It's been a while since I've seen it. So uh, the film used 13 different cars to depict the Bluesmobile, all of which were former police cars purchased from the California Highway Patrol. And then they were mocked up to look like the car that Elle Wood had purchased at a police auction. Mm-hmm. And then they, some of them, they formatted them to help them go faster. And then some said they could like jump them and one so it could just fall apart. And, you know, it took like months of them rigging these cars up to make it do all the stuff the Bluesmobile needed to do. Um, and at the time of the film's release, it set a world record for the most cars destroyed on, in one film. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it says, according to the article I read, it held this distinction until 1998 when it was surpassed by its own sequel. Oh, really? Funny. Apparently. Which I... Did I ever see Blues Brothers 2000? Is that that one? I've seen it one time. They had the Belushi I'm not fond of. 
Oh yeah, no. But I do like John Goodman. We do like John Goodman. And they had they had some they had some cool appearances in it, but I, I've I'm seen really it torn. once enough to see it. I do love the Bluesmobile, and I love when they put that giant megaphone. Uh, we had the megaphone leaning out the window, or yeah, or they put it on the top. I it think. is put on the top, and I think actually I I read briefly. I didn't write it down for my notes, but um, in the same article they said that um, Dan Aykroyd had sourced that from like it was like an old air raid siren. Oh, cool! Like you would use to pretend that the Russians were going to nuke you. I know he loves all the uh, airplane specs and stuff like that, so I, I'm not surprised he found that. Yeah, so he, he did, did find that, and at one point they strapped that to the top of the car and went Rhythm around. Rhythm and Blues Review. Yeah, Yeah, went fun. around with the megaphone. <laughs> Again, I'm really fond of megaphones. I don't yeah. just, it's just a thing. I don't really know why, but I'm into it. <laughs> you like yelling. It's as simple as that. <laughs> But you can't beat the Bluesmobile. Yeah, I mean, it's a come great on. car. Yeah, great film. It's a great film to watch if you've never seen it before. If you're a music fan, you haven't seen the Blues Brothers. You really should. Just amazing performances <laughs> in that film. Number two. Okay, well, this is a pretty good segue. You were just talking about music there, so I would say, God, this is this is a great this is a great follow up for a lot of reasons. So I would just say, if there is a sound that brings joy to all humans and terror to all spooks, specters, and ghosts. <laughs> it's the siren from yeah. the Ecto-1, the official transportation of the Ghostbusters. You can't park that here. Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks and uh, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. How much? Only 4800 Maybe new rings, also mufflers, a little wiring. Now, I was pretty sure you were going to pick the Ecto-1, but I was like, what if he doesn't? <laughs> but I was like, I was pretty sure you yeah. would. Yeah. So. All right. For me, this is the most iconic car in media. Everything about it tells the story of the Ghostbusters world. It's a hearse, so we're dealing with the dead. The colors and deca decals summon up the whole Ghostbusters brand. You've got the lights, like it's a city vehicle, and the sounds that just slam everything together in your head. It is just a rolling brand machine. It, it is, really is. It is fantastic. Yeah, that's really a that's a really good representation of the brand. I love the origin story of it. I always thought it was so clever. You forget that the first movie leaned heavily on them being like, the Ghostbusters being like exterminators, and so they needed a utility vehicle. Um, just to go on calls. So Ray mortgages his mom's house to buy the firehouse. And then he bought this hearse, knowing it needs a lot of repairs, for $4,800 in 1984. That's $12,000 now. Okay, a bargain. <laughs> yes. So it was a 1959 Cadillac ambulance hearse. They painted it white. It's got red fins over the hubcaps, blue lights, and a siren that you could actually trademark. This, that sound means yeah. the Ghostbusters. I would try to imitate it, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. It sends all the ghosts running when you hear it. Uh, but in a lot of ways, I thought this was such a cool car because they build the whole franchise off of this car. Uh, it explained everything. It It is what made the Ghostbusters superheroes. Without the car, they were pretty much just four men on a service call. Yeah, now imagine that somebody shows up in just the uniforms. And yeah. I can't imagine that. And it was funny, especially in their commercials, but this is what made them comic book Yeah, characters. if you didn't have the car, they would their legitimacy would completely go out the window. And I know this because um, 
I, I happen, you know, in my former life as a conventioneer, as a mm-hmm. convention planner, there are always Ghostbusters cosplayers around yeah. available to be in like parades uh-huh, and, do, uh-huh. and do community stuff and be around. And it is very funny that without the added punch of someone having an Ecto-1 that they rigged up out of whatever, it, it, it doesn't, it's not quite as exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they get out of their Corolla. <gasps> yeah, exactly. They do look like exterminators. Yes, you can, You do. And it's you know? great when they get out of the car and look like exterminators, exactly. but they, they work well together. The, the, the car the is car what allows them the star. to be a cartoon. Yes. Um, so I, so I, much so that yeah. people take models of the, of cars to conventions, which has always been a thorn in my side. You always get all these inquiries like, can we bring our model of the so-and-so to your convention? It's like, and now you're thinking like, okay, but when are you going to drive it in? And we don't want to get oil stains on the floor. And then like, what are you going to want to do with it? And are you going to be one of those people who are like, don't touch the car. Just right. look at it from behind stanchions. And just, it's always such a pain but, like, the Ecto-1 is one car that I would have been happy to accommodate. Yeah. Just saying. It's beautiful. It's got a little place to hang your proton packs. I just love it. I also love vehicles where there's a, a little place for everybody's stuff. Like, it's a little clubhouse, and they could each put their little proton pack That's in like it. It's a little, little cubby hole. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we name our top vehicle, we feel compelled to list some honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. The big ones I think that need mentioning are probably the Back to the Future car. Yeah. That would be the, the would other be, Batmobile. It would be neglect not to mention the DeLorean. Yeah. I was also going to say Inspector Gadget's car. Oh, yeah. It's a he pretty did have a good car. It's a pretty going. Um, it, it looks pretty good. Cool. It looks, looks kind of like uh, the Back to the Future car in, in some ways. I was going to say the cars uh, from the Rock and Roll Racing video game. They were character cars. <laughs> okay. They were like Hot Wheels character cars. And then I was uh, the last one I had on my list was. Um, the galloping ghosts car from Yogi's Space Race. He's the old prospector guy with the two seventies ladies that I he just sort of adopted. Love cartoons and characters of old timey prospectors. I can't tell you why, <laughs> but I just love that. I he just love go- it so much. He was oh, he was a ghost of an old prospector who would show up to help two nineteen uh, seventies teen girls who uh, worked on like a farm, I think. Uh, it was a weird little little it show. Weird. But anyway, they pulled him into the space race, and I just love him because he's got like a lasso on his car, and he just helps the girls win. He's just like a nice grandpa. He's, <laughs> I, love I love it. that he was a prospector. It's very important <laughs> to his character. All right, well, to that I add, this was when we really almost made number one, but ultimately couldn't, just for reasons you'll see in a moment. Uh, I add, of course, Elvira's macabre mobile. Yeah. A car I wouldn't mind driving in real life. That, uh, that is such a cool it's car. Such a good car. It's such a good. I really. It's almost like that, nah, that might be the other Batmobile. Like that's the only reason it probably wasn't discussed on this because it's just such. It's just such a good. It's car. It's just the best car, the best real car you could own. And then to that, I add the Mystery Machine from Scooby Doo, uh-huh. the van. And then I'll give you as for your consideration, Stone Cold Steve Austin beer truck with hose. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. A legendary moment of stupidity. <laughs> but uh, of greatness. <laughs> okay, so what is your number one vehicle of all time? Number one.
mind, it cannot be argued that the number one vehicle of all time is Pee-wee's bike from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, that's a great one. All right. So this is a red and white beach cruiser with tassels on the handlebar and a PA system that he can sing through, which again, megaphone. Forgot about that. But as we shall see, the bike itself doesn't matter so much, right? Now, this is a 1985 film that was directed by Tim Burton, and it was written by Paul Rubens, Phil Hartman, which I didn't know or remember. I didn't know that either. And uh, Michael Varhol. So those are the writers. I feel the writers get a lot of credit for just this this film. Who wrote that long scene where they're in the dark and the eyeballs are blinking? I don't know. That had to have been one of (laughs) them. That would have been Paul Rubens. I feel that this is a delightful and almost a perfect film. This is just, I don't know, its it makes me feel good. I've loved it my entire life. I don't know what the AFI says about this movie, but as far as I'm concerned, it's close to number one. So what happens in this film, uh, which IMDb describes Pee Wee Herman as an eccentric man-child, and I take umbrage. I just think he is a, he is a very just uh, singular individual who's living his best life. Yeah. Uh, what happens is that this person, Pee-wee, his cherished bicycle is stolen and he goes on a cross-country adventure to try to get it back. But, of course, as awesome as the bike is and as, as fun as the adventure is, it doesn't matter about the bike because, of course, Pee-wee's story is the hero's journey. As Joseph Campbell wrote about in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, mm-hmm. You go on the journey in search of something, but of course what you find is yourself along the way. Uh-huh. That's something that we all know and like make fun of now, and it's even a meme. Like, the real treasure is the friends we made uh-huh. along the way. We make jokes like that all the time, like on Reddit or whatever. But I think it's really important. Let's be appreciative of the fact that we all, hopefully in our lives, have like a peewee's bicycle inside of us. And that the quest and the relentless journeying toward that thing is going to make our lives worth living a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not about the bicycle. Maybe, you know, maybe your bicycle is something completely ridiculous, like, you know, crazy dreams to be a rock star or a video game developer or whatever it is. But just what's, what's your Pee Wee's bicycle? Well... My cars is guitars, and <laughs> and that's the closest thing I can think of. And I would say it's given me a lot of joy at work to uh, window shop for guitars, even though I don't have have some of the ones I'm looking at yet. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I just think that it's very important, and this film just illustrates it beautifully because, of course, Pee Wee becomes a different person by the time he gets his bike back, which he does. But, I mean, we should all have an elusive goal that you're reaching for that just draws out the best version of you. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get too comfortable and just be on autopilot in your life and you know also appreciating the you know the the, the magic of the present uh, also and that yeah. sort of thing. What is something that is compelling you as hard as Pee-wee was compelled to look for his bike? Mm-hmm. Find that inside yourself or say it out loud to yourself because you know what? It's important. We're all going the same place in the end, but in the meanwhile, like let's take a couple of pit stops at the Alamo. And maybe you'll see a ghost. <laughs> like he did. Maybe you will. <laughs> maybe you'll get chased by a crazy man at a dinosaur park. Yes. But that is the best vehicle of all time. It can't be argued. And it's from the 80s. I can't help it. We just love the 80s. It's a good, it's a good time. It is. For good characters. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like we've come across as such old people on this one on this one episode. I don't know. I think that maybe we just had a lot of good characters uh, from this time too. I think vehicles were a big big deal back then. If, if for no other reason than uh, we had to build toy lines off of everything, so everything had to have a good vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Again, Barbie's got water in her head from the bathtub. And she's got to be right. driving in some car so she can air it out. And then know? even with our 60s picks, that was also just in the water at the time. We had to have the fish out of water stories. Yeah. And so the vehicle's a good way to do that. It so. is. And then also, there really isn't anything new. All the new movies are just remakes of that stuff. So, <laughs> that we is could, true. We could pick Bumblebee, but, you know, he's from G1 Transformers. It's true. So what I'm saying is that I think we pretty much just perfectly executed this list. Yeah, I think we nailed it. Yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with this. I did think of some uh nautical vehicles and I, some we'll, we'll spaceships do. did occur to me <laughs> spaceships do often occur and, and and i thought i might be talking about guitars in a weird way at some point that didn't get around to so maybe i'll find a way to do that later i'm sure you will i have faith in you i try to think about a guitar vehicle but i i don't know if that's been oh i just thought of, okay i'm just gonna do it honorary pick zero right now that. i'm doing it i'm doing it <laughs> i'm gonna say the flying <laughs> No, yeah, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm saving it. I'm saving it. Good, do I'm it. Saving it. Save it. Future me, don't. I, don't sleep on it. Yeah. You got. You got to pick in okay. your heart. I don't know. I don't even know what's happening in the script right now. What's What's happening? Well, if you have guesses on what Will's excited pick might be, or I would call it describe it breathless. Breathless. <laughs> if you're breathlessly awaiting the chance to tell us your suggestions, email rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com or hit us up on social media and we might share some of your thoughts on the next episode even though we always forget to do that remember how um cynthia on twitter uh, yeah. said that for celebrities she would pick norma desmond from sunset boulevard and that was an excellent pick so oh, thank for you celebrity for celebrities yeah, which was that, last that's week that's right that is so a good thank one. you cynthia and yes. other people do that too because i want we just Forget, because we get excited talking about the Transformers. Yeah, it's nice making contact with somebody outside of our house. Please do that for us. <laughs> it's, it's not as exciting as when Coco walks down the street. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's way more exciting than that. Please, please keep your thoughts coming. I would really like to hear more. And you can communicate with us on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Um, that, that That's also a good place to do that. Uh, or you can visit thewizardsnightshirt.com to find out about this show and our other shows, including Colonel Holler, uh, our Halloween comedy series that we are going to release a special for sometime before Halloween. Yeah, we're doing it. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're that's ha it. that's happening. Um, and uh, is, is that is that all? Is that, is that's that, fine. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we call forth new champions. The legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes there's no resemblance to what you know When your own deeds feel humble and few But you've waited through tears